Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we're going to change it up a little bit and talk about coming back to Mass. So let's get started. <laughs> hey, Lindsay. <laughs> Always trying to talk over me. I know. I wanted to jump in there a little bit too soon. It, it is, uh, you know, this idea of, of coming back to church and and uh, is a very timely topic simply because of, of just where we are with the whole uh, COVID-19 issues and such when the, uh, in lifting of the uh, dispensation mm-hmm. of the obligation to attend church. And we've, we've covered a lot of area when you think about you know, how far we've come over the past uh, number of months uh, with all sorts of topics. And, and this really becomes, as I mentioned, uh, somewhat of a timely topic because there has been a lot of concern expressed of what it means to come back to church, what it means to, um, to, to somehow fulfill that joyful obligation, as the Archbishop uh, had stated it, although... Uh, <laughs> When anyone ever tells me that I have a joyful obligation, my first is resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there is no such thing as a joyful obligation. Uh, and, and as opposed to, I believe, looking at it as how do we really uh, take the issue of, of attending church and, and worshiping together, how do we get back into a healthy routine? Because it really has a lot to do with health and well-being of people. And how do we approach the idea of an obligation that, that's there for lots of different reasons? And there's tons of history. We could do just several podcasts on the whole aspect of the historical aspect behind it, of how we got there, why it's obli- we're obliged, uh, because obviously that was not, uh, you know, certainly the approach in the early Christians, you know, with the initial Christian communities that would gather in people's homes or, you know, for the early, you might say, the early practice of Eucharist, what that even meant. <laughs> but we are here now and we're here today and we're in our own circumstance. And so it's been uh, since March, really, where the... Uh, the obligation to attend was dispensed because we didn't know what this virus was. We didn't know how it spread. We didn't. All we knew was that people were getting sick, people were dying, and, and those kinds of things. And so now it's 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 looking at it from the vantage point of we have a much better understanding. Uh, people have been away from church for quite some time. And like anything in, in church, in some ways is no different. Uh, people have, you know, the, you might say the habits that we've formed, you know, whether it's going to a restaurant or it's going to a coffee shop or it's uh, those, when you're out of those habits, it takes a while to, to step back a bit and to rethink it, to rework it, to see how does this, you know, enter into my life? Now, obviously, you know, going to church and, and, and celebrating Eucharist is in many ways different than, well, not in many ways, lots of ways, you know, different than going to a coffee shop or going to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains is that it is still trying to get back into a new routine. The, the, the point being is that there are some similarities and, and how do we do that 
And, and one of the things when the Archbishop, Archbishop Listecki, uh, let people kn know that you know the the dispensation was being lifted uh, on the obligation to attend. I would have done it differently. Then again, I'm not the archbishop, but I would have done it differently because even by saying joyful obligation, to me and 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 from what I was hearing, the temptation to jump into the legal aspect. And, and unfortunately, and I want to just talk to this a little bit, you know, as I continue here, that unfortunately the stress has been that, you know, it's, it's you go to church or you go to hell. Has, that has been the concept. That's been the equation. Attend Mass or, or if you don't, you go to hell. As opposed to the joyful peace. And, and there is a joyful peace. But we didn't teach much on that. We, we just didn't. <laughs> we skipped over that part. Yeah, we really did. And, and he, I just want to share a little bit of a story because to, 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 to make the point. Because my suspicion is, is that many folks, I would say the vast majority, do not realize that a genuine act of charity always trumps the, the obligation to attend Mass. Now, I don't say that lightly, but a genuine act of charity always takes precedent, not because the Mass is not ex important, but the point is, is that if you go to Mass, then you are to be a person who is practicing genuine acts of charity, and at times uh, that will always take precedent. So for an example, I know that there was a, uh, a neighbor on the farm when we were growing up. Uh, there was a neighbor to some folks that we knew who came over and you know, and these folks were Catholic that, that he came to visit. But anyway, this neighbor, uh, his cows got out into a field of sweet, sweet corn. Now, what many people don't realize is that when sweet corn freezes, it can be poisonous to cattle. Okay, it'll kill them. Yeah, I didn't know that. And so he comes over and says, I need you and your sons to come and help me get my cows out of this huge corn, sweet field, a field of sweet corn. And it was a Sunday morning. And, you know, so he said, well, gosh, you know, we're, we're just on our way to mass. And, and the gentleman said, but, but I need your help to get these cows out of the field of sweet corn. Now, I know in a way how the gentleman who was being asked probably was thinking, Kids rotting in hell, a few dead cows. Kids rotting in hell, a few dead cows. You, you go with your kids and protect your children, of course, because that's what we were taught. As opposed to saying to himself, you know what, this neighbor of mine, this is not a, you know, a, a uh, somehow a, a, a simple request that could be done, you know, at another time. These cattle need to get out of this field. Uh, this was not a superficial request, and yet he took his son and his children, I should say he took his children, to Mass. Mm -hmm. The neighbor lost four head of cattle. Mm. Never spoke to the gentleman ever again. Oh, no. But you can see what's happening is that, you know, this, this is this man's livelihood, and, and in that day and age, when you're looking at the... In the 1960s, when this would have taken place, 
you know, three or four head of cattle, that could destroy a person. That could destroy someone. Particularly, you know, depending upon how much milk they were given, you know, were, were, they, uh, were they going to bear a calf, were, you know, th- those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so you, you begin to realize how much can happen when a person doesn't respond to a, to a request like that. And yet, when you think about it, going to Mass should have helped this person to recognize, well, that's why we go, to recognize that there is this act of charity that needs to be done. This person really needs help. And that's not, it was, if you don't go to Mass, you will go to hell or mortal sin and, and all of those things that are with that. I suppose it goes back to that love your neighbor thing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the piece that was missing. And what's interesting is that Jesus was preaching against that very kind of mentality, the legalistic mentality that says you lay heavy burdens on people but do not lift a finger to help them. Is that that's at times what we did as church. And, and we have a good church, you know, but at times what we did is that we lost a sense of why we do what we do and what becomes then the the important factor here is the penalty you pay rather than why you do what you do that's what sometimes many ways was lost the the same point would be is why do you travel 15 or 20 miles an hour around a school play yard you know, not because, you know, if you get caught, it's a huge fine. Well, and yes, that is indeed a piece of it, maybe. But I would hope that anyone who has a license, they would travel 15 or 20 miles per hour near a playground or a play yard for children because of the danger of children running out into the street who have no concept that there are automobiles on the street. Who, to them, the world has to watch out for them, not the other way around. So the motivation, when you think about this, is that the should be that somehow, I want to keep this area where there are children playing, I want to keep this area safe. Not because, well, if I get caught, you know, I'll get a fine. And so you you race 50, 60 miles an hour down the street where you could never stop in time if a child ran out into the street and the tragedy that that would be. The same thing then when you apply the same principles in a way to Eucharist. There are thousands of good reasons to go to Mass on Sunday. Thousands of good reasons to take this seriously so that it's not just seen as something you do because, you know, when you feel good, you're going to get up anyway or and, and somehow stay in bed because it just feels nice and cozy in your jammies and, <laughs> and you just want to read the paper or you want a cup of coffee. Who reads the paper anymore? <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those that reads the paper <laughs> and then does the crossword puzzle, of course. Is that, um, <coughs> excuse me is that there are all sorts of reasons of why it's important to go to Mass. The joy of seeing people you see once a week or whatever. I I know people in churches where I've been, where there's been a a small section in the church, we always refer to it as the pass the baby section. (laughs) 
is that there were several uh, families with very small children, and then there were some senior folks who would sit right behind them or in front of them. And inevitably, if, if the, the kids were having a, a bit of a tough time because they got to know each other, someone would pass the baby to, behind them. And, you know, one of the ladies or said, here, let me take her or let me take him. You know, he just seems to be really fussy. And then mom or dad would go up to communion or whatever. So we referred to it as past the baby <laughs> section. That's awesome. You know, th- those are the marvelous things that can happen. You know, you, you encounter the living Christ the, the risen Christ, you encounter Christ in, in, the, in the word proclaimed. What a, what a marvelous reason to go. You encounter that same risen Christ in the people you attend with. What a marvelous way, reason to go. You encounter that risen Christ in a very specific way in receiving the body and blood of the risen Christ. What a marvelous reason to go. It's, it's, it's realizing that, that by going, there is a tremendous witness of what you stand for, who you believe in, what you embrace as truth. I mean, there are hundreds of reasons, powerful reasons, why we go to Mass. And yet, some, most times what gets lost in that, it's because I have to. Because if I don't, it's grave sin. Because if I don't, I've committed mortal sin. Because if I don't, I'm going to go to hell, you know, if I get run over by a bus when I leave. Because, you know, all of these negatives and what we forgot as church too often is the positive. You know, even the way we look at, for example... Somebody said, well, we, have, we go to church because we have to because it's one of the commandments. Well, the commandment is, you know, we, we are asked to keep holy the Lord's day. Even with the commandments. Unfortunately, when you look at the commandments, and, I, and I've shared this before, is that we put them in the consta, concept or the construct of thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know, thou shalt not disrespect mother and father. Thou shalt not kill. I mean, isn't that what it says right in the Bible, though? It, that's that's a translation. That that's okay. a translation as opposed to approaching them as, if you wish to be part of our community, here's how we treat one another. Here's how we live together in peace. We worship one God, only one. That's all we need. We don't need multiple gods. We got one God we worship. One's enough. Yeah, one's <laughs> enough. You know, we we keep holy the Lord's day because of all the days we have, one day a week is kept holy for God. We honor our mother and father, not because it's a rule, because there's an expectation of honoring our ancestors, honoring our seniors. We, we don't steal from one another. We don't harm one another by taking each other's life or causing harm. We don't, you know, uh, covet what another has. We rejoice. It's a whole different approach than the thou shalt nots. Well, even when you think about, you know, going to church on Sunday, we keep holy the Lord's Day. But do we? You know, on, you know when I can remember growing up, that when mom and dad needed to bale hay or do things on a Sunday, we didn't work on Sundays otherwise. You had to milk your cows, of course. You always had to do that. But 
Other than that, you didn't do other sorts of work. What you did is that you, you know, that was a day of rest. That was a day that was centered on the Lord. And if we needed to work, I can remember dad going to the pastor at the time, and he would go and he would ask for a dispensation of not working on Sunday because we had to get the grain combined. We had to get, you know, hay baled. We had to get corn in. We had to do these things in order to, you know, make sure that our crop was safe, our crop was stored well, those kinds of things. That didn't happen very often, but it did happen. And what we needed to do is that rather than, you know, centering on, you know, kind of keeping that that day holy, which we did, is that we asked for permission to work that Sunday. It was a sense at the time of this is something that we didn't do easily. And so we had to make a conscious decision. But you asked for permission. The idea being that you kept the day holy. And sometimes we lost, well, we lost that in ways. And, and what happens then is that we do it because of obligation. But even as our culture changes, so now people are doing their grocery shopping on Sundays, are doing their other shopping on Sundays, are doing all sorts of things. Well, that's really a lot of work. That's really <laughs> not keeping the Lord's day. And so we kind of lost some of that. And, and not, hopefully we can... You know, regain some of it. I, I mean, there are stores that, in many ways, there are some stores that, that are not open on Sundays. And, and I say, good for you. I mean, because we, we do need a date of rest. Other times, we just work ourselves to death. But the, the key being is that we do this for positive reasons, not because we're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're trying to help people understand. I think that's really what the Archbishop, in many ways, was trying to help people understand. Unfortunately, the tendency seemed to be jumping into legal legal language when it talks about obligation, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just joyful reasons. Joyful reasons has nothing to do with obligation, Um, as opposed to joyful reasons and saying, What a tremendous opportunity we have now to come back to church. What a tremendous opportunity we have now to be able to really, you know, gather and celebrate and and experience the the presence of the risen Christ. uh, As opposed to, you know, jumping into the, the we have to. Even with canon law and with the catechism of the Catholic Church. Both of those documents, the law of the whole church and the catechism of the church, is that they both speak of of the obligation we have, again, of attending Mass on Sunday. They both uh, speak of that if one does not fulfill that obligation uh, without good reason, without good reason, that... It is, there is the, one commits grave sin. Okay, that speaks of the seriousness of it, of course. Okay, that makes all the sense in the world. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't make it an absolute. And that's sometimes where we fall temptation into the temptation, I should say, of thinking that because something is mentioned in canon law, the law of the church, and because something is mentioned in the catechism, 
of the Catholic Church, that it's an absolute. There are no exceptions. There are no reasons to do anything differently. It would be, for example, with the, the story that I said, you know, the gentleman saying, okay, my children rotten hell, you know, a few dead cows. Okay, which one am I going to choose? Well, for a parent, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. It's a no-brainer. Um, and so, but they don't speak of, the, of it in terms of absolutes, not at all. In fact, they make it very clear that there are reasons why a person may not be able to fulfill that obligation. What's curious about that? What's curious, sir, and curious. Yes, what's curious about that is that they don't say run off to Mass as soon as you can if you can't be there. What they do say is, if at all possible, gather with a couple of people Take the scriptures of the Sunday and reflect on the Sunday scriptures. Why? Because where two or three are gathered in the Lord's name, the Lord is present. The real presence. And we forget that. Present in the word proclaimed and shared. Present in the people gathered. And in saying that, and, and, and we, we talk about real presence because it's like you can't have Jesus just present a little bit here and, and present a little bit more present there. It'd be like saying to somebody, you're a little bit pregnant. Well, either you are or you're not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, degree is that the presence of Christ is there. The risen Christ is there. And, and we forget that. So the, even the law recognizes, going back to my point though, even the law recognizes there are legitimate reasons. Now, for an example, <clears throat> that obviously one could not fulfill the obligation because there was no Eucharist being celebrated that was available. Because, obviously because of the fact that churches were closed and, and those kinds of things. Sure. So that's not a sin. It is not a sin. There is no sin involved here. The only time sin is involved if somebody basically willfully and deliberately blows off mass because they just don't feel like it. That's, now, now you're dealing in aspects of sin. But there's a whole lot bigger problem than, you know, just that, I mean, if, if you're talking about that circumstance. Is that the, the documents, both the catechism and, and the canon law, both speak of the fact that acts of charity are reasons that one may not be able to meet the obligation. Taking care of a child, of a spouse, of a parent, of someone that needs your assistance, all reasons. Uh, tremendous hardship. You know, if somebody is in the middle of Montana and has to travel 80 miles in order to get to church or whatever, is that that's a bit of a hardship, you, you know, or it could be, let's say it could be. Because yet I've also had people, experienced people, in when I was in a, a different country, is that they traveled three hours across the desert in caravan to get to an eight o'clock in the morning mass on a Wednesday morning. You know, people go to great lengths. Uh, so part of it is is the circumstances that you're surrounded with. That's not the norm, obviously, when it comes to the United States. So just because it might be a bit of a distance is not in and of itself, you know, a legitimate reason. 
there's got to be something genuine here. What if it's like bad weather, snowing, and you shouldn't be driving? Absolutely. That would be another reason. I remember a number of years ago where, uh, you know, the churches were closed down both for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Blizzard conditions. And yet out of this, first of all, it's not even a holy day of obligation on Ash Wednesday. And there what about are people, Good Friday? Good Friday is not a holy day of obligation either. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> is that you had people on, you know, but so those are maybe aren't the greatest examples. But, <laughs> but what happens is that, you know, particularly on a Sunday, if the weather is treacherous and you are someone that should not be out in that weather, you are not obliged to attend Mass. Stay home. Stay safe. It is neither holy nor brave nor rational to be, you know, of a, a, a senior status or, or whatever, and you're on the roads endangering yourself, endangering others, because you have this, this obligation to go to church. The obligation doesn't apply no sin involved. Also, in flu season, let's just take it out of the virus thing because that's an anomaly that we're faced with right now. But even in a normal year, it is not holy, it is not brave, it is not courageous to be going to church and you're hacking your lungs out, you know, getting everybody around you sick when you should be staying home eating chicken noodle soup and, and tending to your cold and such. There is no sin involved in that. It's that these are the kinds of things that oftentimes we missed when we, when we taught people about this. What we didn't do, Lindsay, we didn't help them form their consciences well. We didn't even talk about it much about in the aspect of forming having a well-formed conscience. What we simply told them was the rule. Rather than saying, here's how you make a discerned decision or a good decision about whether you should be in church or not. Here are the pieces to take into consideration so that your decision is wise and your conscience is well-formed. Because as a church, we believe that a well-formed conscience must be followed. Why? Because we believe that at the depth of the conscience, well-formed conscience, is nothing less than basically you and God in conversation. That this is not made lightly. This is not made as if somehow the Eucharist or, or these things are trivial. But this is, you might say, a genuine conversation between you and God. What is the wise thing to do? We didn't help people do that. We gave them the law. And, and shame on us, I believe, for, for not helping people to, because what happens with that is that we have folks who are coming in to confession with this terrible weight on their shoulders because there is fear that they're going to go to hell when they shouldn't have been in church in the first place. They just shouldn't have been there. They're faced with pneumonia. They're faced with various communicable diseases. They're faced with great handicap. And like I said, there's no bravery or holiness in that, is that they shouldn't have been there. And until such time is that their health and well-being would allow them to do so safely. 
I cannot imagine Jesus, you know, thinking that somehow, you know, no, you have to be there, even if it'll kill you, you know, in those kinds of circumstances. But I believe would have helped folks saying, let's, let's think this through. And the other piece to this is, is that a pastor, you know, as, a, as one who is named pastor, uh, he, uh, for example, I have the permission by the bishop to dispense of the obligation also. So do all pastors have that or just in the Milwaukee Archdiocese? No, generally all pastors have that by virtue of their office. Okay. And it, it's really, you know, might say comes with the territory um, because you are the past, you are the shepherd of, of, of the church of that particular community. You know, the archbishop can kind of do it on a universal basis, you know, for an entire diocese. Um, a pastor has the authority to do that on the, the local community, you might say the parish, and can either, uh, you know, can dispense of the, not, not for long term, because then if it's something long term, then you'd have to look at the reasons and, and it very well would be dispensed with anyway. Sure. Or uh, can what they call can commute the commutation, which is saying, you know, you cannot make it on Sunday, so I am going to commute that to Monday just for this circumstance. That also can be done. Not usually as often, but it, but it can be done. But, but the pastor can dispense from it. And again, if it is dispensed or if there is a well-formed conscience, there is no sin involved whatsoever. And I, and I just want to emphasize that because, as I mentioned before, people at times can be terribly burdened for fear of their immortal soul. And they come and, and they confess that, you know, my God, I've been sinning since March. And, and when you ask, what do you mean? Well, I'm supposed to go to church, you know, and I haven't been there. No, there is no sin. There, the obligation was dispensed with. And yet, coming back, but, but I know I must go to church type of response to that and saying, wow, we, we didn't do a very good job of helping people to lift the burden from their shoulders. Shame on us. We didn't help people do that. And so it's so when you that's why the reason, you know, when I uh, when I wrote the letter is that trying to help folks, uh, you know, to hopefully have better information and saying and to recognize is attending mass important? Absolutely, it's important. Absolutely, it's important. But it's not an absolute. It's. It's helping people to be able to, you know, form their consciences well, a well-formed in conscience. You know, a, a well-informed conscience, I should say, <laughs> is not somehow, you know, just, well, you know, I think God would agree, God would agree with me. Uh, well, yeah, God may very well, but um, not all the time. You know, it's not just about what's convenient for me. It's not just about what's the easiest route to go here. It's not just about, you know, what don't I feel like doing today. It really is sitting down and saying, what's the wisest thing to do? 
What's the holy thing to do? What do I believe that the Lord would expect of me? You know, it's, it's, Jesus wasn't jumping up and down, clapping his hands and saying, oh boy, I get to be crucified today. You know, this is not about, you know, how can I suffer the greatest or how, you know, there's a mental illness there, you know, when you're doing that. And, and, or, or there is such great scrupulosity that it is now, you might say, the needle in scrupulousness has gone to the unhealthy part. Because now there is no distinction between what is a healthy decision and what is an obsession. Going to Mass is not, should not be an obsession, but something healthy and holy and sacred because it helps, it helps you to be more human, more holy, more, more in the image and likeness of God. Um, if, it, if it doesn't, then one has to seriously ask themselves, what am I doing and why? Um, then you have a much bigger problem than whether you go to Mass on Sunday. True. And, and, and it's not, also, I, you know, when I say that, it doesn't mean that somehow going to Mass on Sunday is, you know, is, is the happiest and most joyful experience of my week. You know, there are times when any of us, you go to Mass and say, oh, you know, the last place I really want to be here is um, for all of us. There are times when you'd even like to... Even you? Even me. There are times when I walk into that church and, you know, you want to say, you look bored, I feel bored, let's call it a day <laughs> and I'll go home and have a cup of coffee. But that's because I'm a human being. It, it's interesting, you know, at the uh, uh, sometimes my brother's, you know, newly ordained, and I was the same way, you know, oh boy, I get to say Mass, and, and you were really revved up. After 30-some years, some days you just aren't revved up about this. And, you know, a few aches and pains or, or you're just not well or it's been a really rough week or whatever. And you go because that's what you do. But I have also found that when you go, it oftentimes really can lift your spirits. You know, you're, you're glad you did. You know, as much as I may not say, oh, God, i got to go to Mass, you know, <laughs> as opposed to, oh, boy. Um when I do, and you, you greet folks, and, and you celebrate and pray with folks, it can be just a real lifting of the spirits, and you feel better because you did. Um, it's, uh, yeah, you're going to have days when you don't necessarily want to be there. That's another reason not to go, because oftentimes it can really be a pick-me-up. And you really recognize, wow, I'm, I'm glad that I went. Do I still feel tired? Yeah. And do I still have my aches and pains? Yeah. And, and is it still a rough week? Yeah. It's, but boy, I'm, I am glad that I went because I experienced, you know, John or Jane Doe and, and they were talking about their little one. Or I experienced, you know, Rita and Harry and, and, and they're going to be celebrating their 70th anniversary and they're all excited. You know, those are the things that as a community, you say, wow, I'm glad that I was here. I'm really glad that I was here. That's the piece in many ways we didn't talk to people about. It was about obligation. And so, you know, do I believe that, you know, the Archbishop, for example, wanted this to be a terrible burden or an onus on people, you know, uh, just for money or whatever? I don't believe that at all. Um, 
I just believe that we could have put it a little... <laughs> put it in a slightly different way. Yes, so that it stayed away from the legal piece and really went toward the spiritual, the pastoral piece because there is such a richness there that that can lift people's spirits and it can invite people back in a whole new way. And in light of the fact that, you know, of the coronavirus, and, and we have to take that into consideration, is to do so in a way that is safe, in a way that is is going to help people, you know, stay healthy. I don't want people to come here and get sick. I would never want that to happen. And so I know that, you know, sometimes too, people are a little a little cranky about, you know, the, the ropes that we have in the church and, and how we, we split things up. But I'm, I take very seriously, one, that we do have a pandemic. <laughs> and two, I want to provide an atmosphere and a place for people to gather and to pray, to do so safely, to do so in a spiritual way, to do so within the context of, of the circumstances that we are faced with today. It won't always be that way, but we have it today, and that's really all we can do. And if I can accomplish that, that, you know, and to me, you know, one of the things that I hope we can accomplish is that we are able to weather this storm, and it will eventually pass, that we can weather it and know that not one case of virus was somehow contacted here to the certainty that we can't. I mean, obviously, we can't be completely certain. Sure. But I'm hoping that w everything that we do helps people to somehow stay safe and, and to feel comfortable in gathering here to pray. Um, am I obsessive-compulsive about it? No. <laughs> but I take it very seriously, and I believe it is a moral obligation that I have as a pastor to, to make sure that people are safe to the degree that we can hopefully guarantee that so just some you know quick fire questions because i'm sure there's people out there trying to decide if it's time to come back to mass or not mm -hmm. now that the dispensation's over all sure. right so what if i'm in a high risk group of contracting covid um but i feel fine should i be coming to mass again if you're in a high risk i would say no if if you're if you're even though you feel fine if you I mean, I mean, it's a decision that you have to make. But if you are in, for example, there are certain types of cancer and certain types of underlying conditions that your immune, your immune system has been, let's say, seriously compromised. No, I would say not at this time. Not at this time. Same for if I'm taking care of someone with a yes, immune because compromised. Yes, what you could do is you can come here and yes, you know, you might be fine or whatever, but you could bring something back. And God forbid that that is that it's not just about you. And I think that's what I've reminded people about. This isn't just about you. Don't make this personal or a personal attack. The fact is, is that we affect other people. And so there are people and places that I don't go because I am not going to endanger them. Or if I did, I would take extreme precautions. As I was talking to you a little bit before, is that um, I've been asked to come to a hospice or I've been asked to come into a, a, a senior nursing home facility, let's say. I will take extra precautions as to what I wear, um, sanitizing my hands, making sure that, 
you know, when I anoint somebody, I'm wearing gloves. I would never want to somehow cause harm to another person. So if, if um, a person is taking care of someone who is seriously ill or in that circumstance, I would say, don't do it right now. Not right now. There will be a time when you can. Not right now. There is no sin. I have no doubts that God understands. Join us in prayer. I would urge you, uh, read the scriptures. Read the scriptures with the loved one that you're caring for, mm -hmm. with your family. Um, talk to us about receiving, possibly receiving communion. Is that, you know, there are lots of ways that we are able to stay connected with the community. Is it exactly like going to Mass on Sunday? Of course not. That is the ideal. And we hope that people will come back soon when they can, when it's wise for them to do so, so as not to cause any kind of grave harm to anyone. Okay, how about I am not in a high-risk category, but I'm taking everything very seriously, and I don't go into restaurants, and I only shop as much as I can just to get my stuff. And I haven't been in big groups of people, so, so I'm a little nervous coming back to Mass. I would, in, in a circumstance like that, I would say, hold off a little bit. And and I would seriously have you consider that you might want to sit down and, and, and talk with me you know, as the pastor and saying, here's where I'm coming from. So that then, one, is that rather than, again, having a, a terrible burden, because the Archbishop also made the the comment that, you know, fear of going is, is not, you know, is not in and of itself the only reason. Well, there's a whole lot behind that. And and I, I think sometimes, again, it's that it's one thing, you know, I'm a little nervous. Okay, you take precautions. But there's another thing, you know, that if a person is genuinely really concerned about this, and this causes great anxiety or anxiety in general, then let's talk. Or to come to terms with it and being able to say, you know what, I'm simply not ready yet. Trust that. Trust that. And trust God. Spend time with the scriptures, you know, and, and I, I always go back to that because, again, you know, uh, we believe where two or three are gathered, we believe that where the, where the sacred word is proclaimed and heard by people of faith, the presence of Christ is there. Now, it's the real presence. So the other thing at times that we, we sometimes were kind of light with is that the Eucharist, though it is primary, and I, I state that very clearly, though the reception of the Eucharist, the body and blood of, of the risen Christ, is primary, is that as a church we also teach that there are other ways that the presence of Christ comes to us. Is that it's not a pseudo presence. It is not a teeny weeny type of presence. It is the real presence of Christ. And so there are ways of experiencing the presence of Christ other than simply the Eucharist. And that to me takes nothing away from the Eucharist whatsoever. But hopefully that it's genuine and real it helps people to come and to celebrate Eucharist when the time is right. Right. And you don't want people 
come to church because they have to come to church, but they're sitting there miserable because they're worried about the person that coughed next to them or what's going to happen. Like having a terrible time at church is not what should be happening either. Exactly. And and if and if one is really, you know, so concerned and, and because they're afraid of the crowds and, and, and it's like every time there's a cough or whatever, it just it distracts you. Not the right time yet. Mm-hmm. Just not the right time yet. The time will come. Now, if you go on for the next ten years with that, <laughs> okay. Like I said, then then there's a bigger issue than whether you you're concerned that about might the virus. Be a sin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, then that's called something psychological, um, and and you got to deal with that also. But you know, it's it, if it's it's right now, and because of the circumstances we're faced with, I would say it's not time yet. Let yourself trust yourself, and let yourself trust in the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Let yourself be wrapped in that. The Spirit will guide you with that, and will let you know when the time is right. Okay, one more anecdote. The Packers or the Brewers are playing. I can't go to Mass. No, that, that, <sighs> no, sorry, that just doesn't work for me whatsoever. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Sorry, everyone, I tried. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. No, that just doesn't quite work for me. Um, but it's, you know, and, 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 and I know we, we don't want to make light of it, but because it is, it has caused, uh, for some, it has caused some real consternation. It, you know, there's some real anxiety. And, and, and part of what I want to do and, and why we're talking about this has been, I want to ally some of the fears and the anxiety. Um, yes, there's a certain language that is oftentimes used. I think we as a church need to work on that um, because there are so many thousands of reasons of why, uh, as opposed to sometimes the negative reasons uh, that we latch on to. And these are positive, wonderfully positive reasons. And I want to help to ally some of those cares or concerns um, that, that don't need to be there. And I guess I would also like to invite people to, to seriously consider, you know, giving us a call here at the parish and saying, let's talk. Let's talk. I've, I've taken about, uh, about a half a dozen calls, yeah, half a dozen calls now of people who have done just that. And, and usually, you know, as the conversation ends, however it ends, and, you know, and it has ended on both sides with that, folks have said to me, thanks for just listening. Thanks for allying some of that concern or that fear that I had. Thanks for helping me sort it out. And that's really what we want to help people to do. And I think that's ultimately what the Archbishop would want people to do, is to, is to be able to sort it through, make a wise choice, and then follow through. And hopefully in time, when it's time, is that to join us back you know, uh, around the table of the Lord and, and to experience the joy and the hope and all that the Eucharist can bring to us rather than cringing in fear. Yes, cringing is never good. No, cringing is never good. I'm going to say if people do want to reach out, they could do it by email to start the conversation. Yes. Holyangelswb at gmail.com. That's a good one to email. We check that all the time. So if you do have a concern or want to talk something through with father or deacon or whoever, 
Give us an email. If you have suggestions for themes of podcasts, give us an email. Absolutely. And and I guess I would emphasize that too, Lindsay, that we are willing to talk with people and to help walk through it with them. Is that um, both uh, Deacon Mark and myself and Deacon Dave too, you know, there's never a question that uh, to bring your concerns so that whatever your experience is, it truly is an experience of the risen Christ. That, that's the whole point, that we experience the risen Christ and, and to recognize how that can be done in such a wonderful way through the Eucharist, but how it can be done in other ways also, rather than having this terrible burden. If I can do anything, I want to be able, you might say, to respond to Jesus's you know, inquiry in the scriptures and being able to say to him when I stand before the Lord is that, I helped lift some of those burdens. That to me is just so important. I helped to lift some of those burdens so that they could love you more deeply and freely rather than being afraid of you and somehow fearing that you would somehow send them to their destruction. We have so much to offer and it's time that we really emphasize that more. Very true. Anything else? Nope, nothing topic? at this point. Great. Well, that was a good one to unpack. So I think we'll leave it there then. And we will come back next week with our next topic, faithful citizenship. I believe so, I yes. that's what our topic yes. is. Mm-hmm. Um, timely as well. So we hope you enjoyed this one and we'll see you next time. Take care.